In today's episode, two new world records, we go over the new Chi Wuchia M and answer some questions from you. Hey, Shani from SpeedQBView.com for episode 15 of the SpeedQBView podcast. Now, this is going to be the last episode for just a little bit. I'm going to take a break um, throughout probably most of October. I'll pick up either at the very end of October or beginning of November. I've talked about in some other videos, crazy time of the year, and I, I just I can't juggle all of it right now and try to get this out. And that's also why there's not going to be a guest for this episode and why I'm not even really going to do a giveaway. This is kind of just finishing things up for the season. I don't want to call it seasons because someone else who does some cube videos where they go over stuff does seasons, so I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay, um, going real quick, let's talk about um, first a couple new world records, and we have the skew and square one. So let me pull that up just so I can have some notes in front of me. So we have a skew average by Jonathan oh, uh, Klasko. I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. And the it's a 2.55 average on skew. Use the Chi wingy as well. Or I guess it'd technically be the X-Man wingy. Um, X-Man's the design of Chi. But anyways, then there's also a new square one single by Charlie Stark. There's a couple new continental and national records, but those are the two big world records. As far as puzzles, there's not really a lot of new things out. Uh, most of the time when things come out, I've already done a video on them, like the GAN SM is now getting released. There's a whole issue with pricing. I'm not going to talk about that here. Um, a couple new things from Z Cube, like a Penrose uh, Cube, which is actually the designer of that, that even um, Nathan Wilson credits in his video where he built one, is the one that's that um, is working with Z-Cube to get this made. So it's not like someone copied what Nathan did and built it. This is actually the person who, who is more credited for designing it. I'm sure other people have had the idea way before that, but you get the idea. One thing I want to talk about is the Wuchia M. I'm hoping to get a video out. It's not going to be for a couple days. It'll probably be a little after this, but I want to talk about it because I have it. I have a magnetic version and a non-magnetic version. Magnetic one, I had a, a magnet fall out, so I'm going to actually, in the review, talk about how to get that back in, how to glue that back together. One thing about it, though, is it's extremely similar to the Yushin White, so much so that I wrote Chi Yi and asked them about it. Without going into too much details, because I'm not going to speak for them, they said that they've designed this like a couple years ago and have been tweaking it, so... It is their design. I'll let you kind of interpret that how you will, but but they're they're the mold's similar. I would say the Wuchia is much more stable, much more what I wanted the Yushin White. There, there's some things about the Yushin White that I didn't quite like, and this is much nicer. So I'll have a review on that. And that is pretty much it. The person who won the last week giveaway or two weeks ago was um Camille. I actually don't know how to pronounce the name. But that person, they already received the email, received, um, I'm just waiting for a contact back from that. So I'm not going to do a giveaway this time. I'm actually kind of out of puzzles, and that's why I did a gift card last time, or extra things to give away. So hopefully I'll pick that back up when we start up again with the podcast. Also, since I am taking a break, no one break any records, no one come out with any new puzzles. Just just relax for like a month or so. So I planned on doing a new part of the podcast where I talk about Cubers, just to go over the history 
And I was going to do the first one on Patrick Potts. Now, I realized once I started digging into it, there's only so much I can do without actually interviewing the person. So the big thing I did is I just went to his WCA profile. And I mean, Patrick has a ton of stuff already. He's besides having the new world record for 3x3, he's second in 4x4 in the nation, third in 5x5 in the nation. So he's got a lot of a lot of good times. But what surprised me about this is his first competition was in 2012 and his average in single was around 25 seconds by 2013 by the beginning of it he was his average or his single was at 15.2 by the end of 2013 so the beginning he was around 15 seconds single by the end of 2013 he had a sub 10 single then by the end of 2014 he had a 7.6 single, and then by the end of 2015, he had a 5.9 single. It, it, his, the pace that he went was insane. For some reason, I thought that he had been cubing for a long time, but just about five years. So that's so impressive. Um, someone recently posted an unofficial world record. I don't know if that's real or not, but it might be the first sub three unofficial one, if that is real. But let's go over some questions. So the first one is from Simon from India that says, what's the main purpose of cubing? I see this a lot on um, on Facebook, or not specifically this question, but sometimes people asking, what's the point? Or my parents don't want me to cube. How can I convince them? There's a lot of different things. The I mean, the main purpose, I think, is just enjoyment. Why do we play video games. Why do we even do most puzzles? A lot of time it's just enjoyment, like a jigsaw puzzle. People do that because it's fun. It's not really a, you know, you're not going to be usually learning any crazy new thing from it. So that's a big thing, but there's a lot to it as far as hand-eye coordination, um, finger dexterity, cognitive development, just a lot of different aspects that, that can be used. And if you really start digging into it, it there's a lot of math behind it. If you just type in math and cubing, they'll often pull up papers from um, like MIT and a bunch of other places that it did a lot of research on it, especially back in the 80s. Early 80s, there's a ton of research done on it. Seth from Indiana, what do you think is the hardest event to improve in? I I don't know. That's that's one of those questions hard to answer because there's a lot of ways of taking it. It's, you know, what's the hardest one to jump into? I honestly think square one's kind of difficult just because Getting, understanding the cube shape and the algorithms are kind of weird to do. But then there's things like seven by seven, which it takes so long to solve that that really progressing, you have to do a lot of time in it and a lot of solves. I mean, you have to put a lot of time in anything, but there's a lot of ways to approach that. I don't think there's really a hardest event. They all have their own different things that make it difficult. Reggie, now this is this is kind of a little bit of a story. I was in holiday in Venice, Italy with my wife. I was doing the Rubik's Cube on the water bus surrounded by some 10-year-old kids. Anyway, later in the day, I saw that one of the boys with a new unscrambled Rubik's Cube in his hand, which he had just bought. He gave me the cube to solve, and when I solved it, everyone on the bus started clapping. It was a fun moment. The moral of the story is that I didn't cube in public. If I didn't cube in public, these children would never have been exposed to it. You never know who you may influence. Are there any other ways to promote cubing outside the community? Make a YouTube channel? <laughs> uh, I, I've kind of been in that situation before. I... Part of me doesn't, like, I don't like when there's a lot of exposure because I don't want to feel like it's the super smart thing to do that, you know, you have to be super intelligent to do it. I've thought about a couple times 
doing a lot of libraries you can put on events, like putting on an event of just teaching people how to cube. You know, you, I've thought about maybe doing like a $5, $10 entry fee. You get a puzzle and like an hour, two hour long class going over how to do it and some things about it. So that might be one thing, but that's, that's a lot of steps to do it. I've went to a couple elementary schools and did a presentation, which I tried to make it a ton of fun. Like I, I did, I let them pass around things. I have transparent puzzles that I got specifically for that so they could see how they work and move them. I, we did a blind solve, like a group thing where I gave kids words to remember to help me remember that way. I didn't have to memorize them. I just gave it to them real quick. And they had a lot of fun. Actually, a lot of uh, teachers were came to me. They're like, you should, you should do this, like charge for it, which I, I don't want to charge for it, but maybe in the future, we'll see about that. Dominic from Texas. Do you have any techniques on memorizing algorithms? When I memorize algorithms, I find things that are similar and kind of break them down. So for example, right now I'm doing C-O-L-L. And often one algorithm solves another thing backwards. And now I know some, like whenever I do mirrors, some people are like, oh, don't do mirrors. That's so much worse. I don't think it is. Sometimes my left hand ones are even faster than my right hand. There's a debate about, you know, you have to re-grip more, but no, you, I mean, when you're doing things on the right hand algorithm, you still have to re-grip, sometimes move to the top layer. On uh, Felix's world record solve, I kind of looked at that, and during his OLL and his PLL, he both had to do a re-grip on his right hand to do an algorithm. So I don't really think that's any big of an issue either. So for example, there's the, the a really common one that that people use for headlights that for the OLL where it's just one set of headlights, so like two corners twisted, that's the R2, oh, let me try to think of this as I do it, R2D and then R prime U2R, D prime, R prime U2, R prime. Yeah, there we go. And so for that though, if now when I see that I've got two of the same colors here on top, for this OLL and some of the colors on the side for COLL, I'll just kind of do that backwards and see if how that feels, if that one works. Sometimes I've done ones backwards and that doesn't really work, but this works pretty well. It's R U two R D prime and then R prime U two R D R two, or I think I switched up the D and the D prime, but so doing one forward and doing one backwards, I found often solved multiple ones. And then, yeah, a lot of them are really similar. It's just a lot of it's getting into your muscle memory though. So even though if you memorize the letters, muscle memory is key, which means just doing it over and over and over and over again to really get into your fingers. There's a video where Felix said about not doing it over and over again, just doing solves. And I think that's been interpreted kind of in the wrong way. He's not saying that it's bad to do it over and over again, but as far as how your hand is placed, when you're doing solves, it's in different spots. So if you just hold it the same way every single time when you're trying to do it over and over again, you're not always getting used to how you might have to set up your hand when you're actually solving. Carson from Virginia, can you explain each of the blind solving methods and overview on how fast they are? There's only a few that I'm really thinking of, but I'll kind of break it down. I mean, the big thing that, the, that people use is Old Pachman. And Old Pachman, Stephen Pachman or Stephen Pachman, I don't know actually how to pronounce that, but but Pachman, um, it, it's all you need to know is a Y perm, a J perm, a T perm, and an R perm. You technically don't even need the J perm. You could just use T and Y. R is the parity algorithm, um, which you can be avoided and you could do something else, but that's even more excessive work. So so yeah, you just need to know a couple PLLs and it's just setting up the move, 
doing an algorithm, reversing the setup. So real quick, just to kind of show that. So if you've never even looked into blind, I've got a blind video. I'll, I'll try to remember to link that in the description for the YouTube video or just go to the channel. I think it's like the third most watched YouTube video. So, or on my channel. So you can just go there and check that out. But like looking right here, I see you, you're not almost all, pretty much all the methods. You're not just memorizing all six sides. Looking at this piece, I see, okay, this needs to go to what I call B. And then that piece needs to go to what I call H. So I remember B, H. And I set up B to a certain spot. And I'm doing kind of a type of Y perm. And then I set up H and do that same sort of thing. And at the end, I, I reverse that setup move and that solves it. Um, the other methods like M2 for edges is a very similar idea, but where you set up things into a different spot and you just do M2. So it's not a long algorithm. It's not like a T perm or a J perm. It's just M2. There's some complications you get when you get to a couple of the pieces that are in that middle slice. There's also methods like turbo. You can almost think of it like setting up two pieces and doing a U permutation. There's a couple other algorithms you can use. So that way, if they flipped one way, it's much easier. I, I know how to do M2 and I know how to do turbo. Turbo, I think is a lot more fun, but M2, I feel like is faster just because I don't have to set up two pieces. It's just go, 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 go. Um, there's a debate on that of which could be faster, which is faster. And there's some other things you can do, like corners, uh, Pachman. Pachman came up with M2 also. He also came up with R2 for corners, but people don't really use that. Really, at that point, you're doing commutators, where um, if you don't know commutators, again, I've got a video on that for at least for fewest moves. And what that is, is you can think of it as A, B, A prime, B prime. You do a set of moves, another set of moves, reverse that first set, reverse the second set. Often, the, uh, the B is... The, the second move is just like a U2 or just a very simple thing. I've done some blind solves where I do that intuitively. It takes me forever because I'm trying to figure out where pieces are. So often people just memorize those algorithms, but that will end up being much faster. The biggest thing with all these different methods though is the number of moves. So I, I know that someone could probably put a, give me a much more specific number, but I figured with full old Pachman, it was about 300 moves. So about 200 for edges and about um, 100 for corners, I think. No, I think I'm off there. But anyways, M, uh, old popkin for edges at least, I think it was around 200 moves. Doing something like M2 or turbo turns into about 100 moves. And so then it's just how fast can you do that? I've heard people say that with full old popkin, they've gotten sub one minute solves, but it's definitely possible with doing old popkin and M2 to be under a minute. You just have to memorize fast enough. That's kind of the big thing. I don't know how to pronounce this name. I'm going to say Ghana, G-A-N-A, um, but from Texas. Can you still do a month of something again? What is the method you have the most fun with? I've been wanting to. This would actually probably be a good time to try something different. Everyone's been wanting me to do Petrus. I know how to do Petrus. I just don't want to do a month of it. I So what if you don't know, back in the end of August, I got my first sub 10 solve last year. And so I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm done. I'm just going to do different stuff now. So I did a month of ZZ. Then I did a month of Rue. I was going to do a month of Heist method, which is really good for fewest moves. And then just after like a minute of doing it, I realized I just want to do fewest moves techniques. So I did a whole month of just techniques for the fewest moves. Rue has definitely been the most fun. If you've never tried Rue, spend a week doing it. It's just so much fun to do. And your times are not going to get worse doing like if you do CFOP and you try a week of Rue, yeah, it might be weird jumping back in, but after like 15 minutes of solving, you'll be fine. So don't don't ever worry that your times are going to get worse. Then I did a month of actually just being color neutral. So I stopped just thinking of methods and did something different. 
I'm thinking about trying like, um, I don't know. I, everyone, a lot of people want me to do Petrus. Maybe I'll do something else. But yeah, I want to do it. I've just what I want to make sure when I do that is I have time to solve like an hour a day of solving. And this, just like I'm stopping the podcast a little bit, um, this is not the right time for me to do that. So maybe once we get into November, December, I'll try that again. Eddie from England, do you think Patrick Ponce will be the new Felix Zemdegs? So, uh, I see a lot of times online people like Felix or Matt or so-and-so and so-and-so and, or actually when I made my video on why Felix is so fast, people are like, what about Patrick? Yeah, like Patrick is fast. Um, Matt's is fast. Like all these people have these really fast times, but what makes Felix different is he's broken the, the world record multiple world records from the WCA over a hundred times. He has all of these world records. So for someone to be like what Felix is, it's not just having one or two fast times. Like it's consistently, I think there's a list of, actually I'm going to pull this up right now. So I can't find what I was looking for. I was looking for the list of just um, like the top times. So not records. And I know that was somewhere on the WCA site, but I'm just having trouble finding that. So what I did pull up, though, is just the records, the history of 3x3 records from single and averages. And just going down this list, we've got, so this is from single and averages as they've been broken. Um, we have Patrick, and then Felix, and then Max Park, and then Felix, then Matt's Volk, then Felix, and Lucas Eders, Colin Burns, Felix, Felix, Matt's, Felix, 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 I might have missed one there. Um, so that's that's kind of why, you know, as far as those questions go, he has really, Felix has set so much, um, you know, he's really set the bar for what, you know, a cubing professional could be. Like he, it's not just once or twice he's, he's broken records. He's just constantly done it. So I, I think, you know, Patrick definitely deserves all his due for all the work he's put into cubing, but I don't think comparing or who's the next Felix is even a, a question I like, like to try to figure out. Joseph from the Philippines, do you think speed cubes are getting more expensive but not getting enough upgrades? No, not really. Like, yeah, there's expensive ones. Like, you know, the, the GAN SM, you're also getting stuff with that. But if anyone remembers the Lubix, uh, Zanchis and stuff like that, those are expensive and those were sort of hand set up. They were sanded. You're paying for someone to spend time setting them up. Now, granted the GAN SM probably doesn't have as much setup as something like that because it's the mold is already really nice. But if we went back in time and gave like a warrior w or the new the little magic from yushin 2 you know just we brought it back a few years back it would probably be the main of a ton of people and it's one of those things where even though they're getting more expensive we also have cheaper ones and you don't need an expensive cube to get world record times seth from canada do you think 8 8 will become a wca event i have i don't think so because if they add another one you know why not 9 by 9 why not 10 by 10 why and if they do it would just be you know I think it would be a single solve. I mean, mean of three. That would take a while. They have they have no reason to add that. Um, but yeah, I don't. We've talked about different cubes they could add or add to the mix. So honestly, that's about it. I know this podcast was a little bit short, a little bit haphazard. I probably sound 
tired, because I am, it's early on Monday, um, but I'm not going to really have any time to edit or do any other stuff, so I want to get this out to you guys and say, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a break. I'm still going to make some YouTube videos. If I get unboxing, I'll be doing that. Like I said, I ha should have the, the Wuxia, Wuxia, however it's going to be pronounced, um, pretty soon after the this video comes out, but that's about it. So thank you everyone, thank you for your support with the podcast. It's gonna keep going, this is gonna take a little bit of a break. I, I really appreciate it, you know, keep sending in questions. So I'll kind of go through my spiel like I always do if you're on iTunes or even if you're not listening on iTunes, but you have an iTunes account, go and leave a review, it definitely helps the show out just to get noticed more. If you're on YouTube, hit like and subscribe of course. Thank you very much for listening or watching, however you are following this, and I will talk to you guys next time.